0: Our podcast reviews well-known movies and contains spoilers. The podcast may contain mature subject matter and mature language. Listener discretion is advised. Enjoy the show.
1: once again for the hooked on movies podcast our continued celebration of christmas movies takes us back to 1994 for the slightly darker comedy film the ref as always please welcome ted great
2: i hijacked my fucking parents
1: and gen caroline the day
0: you see anything through to the end i'll stick my own dick in my ear
1: nice and hey everyone i'm eric what's the matter with you I thought mothers were sweet and nice and patient. I know loan sharks who are more forgiving than you. Your husband ain't dead, lady. He's hiding. And we're talking The Ref with Dennis Leary.
2: Tell us about the particulars of this one, Ted. Okay, so The Ref, directed by Ted Demme. Screenplay by Richard LaGravinesse and Marie Weiss. It has a running time of 97 minutes. It was released March 11th, 1994, which is kind of odd. I wasn't able to find a budget for the movie, but it yeah, did it kind have of a odd box for a Christmas movie, right? From stuff that I read, that's kind of why the box office came in at only 11 million dollars. Hmm. People didn't want to really see a Christmas flick in March. Right. A little bad timing there on the release part from Touchstone Films. It's well, kind of potential.
0: <laughs> kind of like releasing a podcast style of a Christmas movie during February.
2: Kind of, yeah. Is that wrong? Should we not do that? <clears throat> Love, actually. Oh. Oh. So, the ref <laughs> stars Dennis Leary as Gus, Judy Davis as Caroline Chasseur, Kevin Spacey as Lloyd Chasseur, Robert J. Steinmiller Jr. as Jesse Chasseur, Glynnis Johns as Rose Chassor, Raymond J. Berry as Lieutenant Huff, Richard Bright as Murray, Christine Baranski as Connie Ch- Chessor, Adam LaFever as Gary Chessor, Philip Nickel as John Chessor, and Ellie Rabb as Mary Chessor. This was J.K. Simmons' first role as the colonel of the the Military Academy. This was his Definitely first role. Definitely had a little bit of hair there. A little bit. Yep, a little bit. He's still fully bald, bald on top, though. It <laughs> yeah. still looks like
0: he was in his 60s or 70s at that time. I know. <laughs> so...
1: As I like to say, he had Costanza cool. hair there. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Ken, synopsis. Bickering spouses annoy the
0: cat burglar who takes them hostage in their Connecticut home. Very simple.
1: And hilarity ensues. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right.
2: Reviews. What do the critics think, Ted? Well, this is an interesting thing. So on Rotten Tomatoes, the critics' score is a certified fresh, 73%. And the audience score is an exact match of 73%. I I have to admit, I was surprised when I read that. I did find a couple of negative reviews. Hal Henson from the Washington Post said, The Ref is one of those rare movies that seem to have everything going for it. A promising director, terrific actors, and an original, unapologetically grown-up script, yet somehow still turns out to be a phenomenal drag. Stephen Rhea of the Philadelphia Inquirer said, Whether it's a function of sloppy editing or sloppy writing, few of these supporting players and their accompanying subplots pay off. But on the positive side, we have Jonathan Rosenbaum from the Chicago Reader. He said, What makes most of this work is the brio of the acting through the direction by Ted Demme and the script by Richard LaGravinesse and Marie Weiss certainly don't hurt. Roger Ebert from the Chicago Sun-Times said, Material like this is only as good as the acting and the writing. And the ref is skillful in both areas, cool, all right. well
1: let's talk about the the first time we saw this. uh I will kick it off. Anyone want to guess the first time I saw it high school this week this week it is yes really i I let this one slip through the cracks i never i thought I honestly thought I had seen it. Okay. And then when I watched it, and I and I'm looking at, it, I'm like, I've I've never seen this before. So yeah, Virgin uh, eyes and ears for me on this one. How about you, uh, Ken? Cable. Oh, I haven't I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, I've never <laughs> seen it before. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I probably
0: saw it uh, the the year that came out on cable, I, and that's why I'm thinking what happened here was this movie was designed probably for DVD release and cable viewership it probably wasn't they probably didn't expect much yeah and that's why they slotted it probably in March but I remember seeing it on cable a lot in the and We're 90s.
1: not talking like uh TNT TBS USA stuff here. Right? No. No. This is okay. like like HBO, yeah. Cinemax, things of that nature. Showtime. Nothing edited on this one. How about you, uh Ted?
2: You know, I was trying to place the first time I seen it. I know it was in the nineties, so I'm not exactly sure if it was just before college, when I was still in high school, I know I didn't see it in the movie theater. That's for sure. You and but, everyone else. So it's by it's, the uh, the box office gross. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly, right? So, yeah, I'm I'm assuming it's somewhere in that, you know, senior year, high school, college area is probably when I saw it. Because I'm a huge Dennis Leary fan. I love his stand-up. So this was definitely right in my wheelhouse for... For Mr. Yeah. Leary. Dennis Leary in, in 94,
1: 93 with his stand-up, he was just a rising comic uh,
2: machine. No yeah. Cure for and Cancer is one of no the funniest stand-up yep. specials ever.
0: I think you think about the MTV at that particular yes. time. He was, he was huge on there. I yep, mean, yep. his promos for like Cindy Crawford at the time right. was, were was pretty uh, iconic. So, yeah, it was just the right timing for him. Kind of like with George Carlin with HBO, how it right. actually elevated him. MTV did the same thing for Dennis Lurie. Yeah, all
2: right. it was those little those little blurbs that would come in during mm-hmm. the commercials. That yeah, that were all in black and white. Is you just it's perfect? Yeah, yeah. I love the sarcasm the sarcastic humor, and it's but it's it's intelligent sarcasm. Huh. Where you know, I I was
1: I was. Speaking with, with Ken uh, off podcast, if we will, about this movie, whether you like comedies or not, If I, I think if you are not a Dennis Leary fan, you are not going to like this movie because a lot of this movie, he's kind of doing his little stand-up spiel, and we can kind of get to that as we kind of roll into our uh, our part one here. Uh, Ken, tell us a little bit about the intro and the, the part one of this movie.
0: So we got Christmas Eve in Connecticut, Lloyd and Caroline are... In marriage counseling, uh, they're in a session with therapist Dr. Wong. Caroline has had an affair, and Lloyd is miserable and blames the behavior problems of their 15-year-old son, Jesse, of his wife's coddling of him. Caroline, meanwhile, calls out Lloyd for his inability to stand up to his domineering mother, Rose. In the same town, cat burglar Gus is in the midst of stealing jewelry from a mansion. His plan goes awry when he accidentally sets off an alarm and is chased out by a guard dog. I think his name was Cannibal. The dog's
1: name is Cannibal?
0: Yeah. (laughs) His getaway car, driven by his partner, Murray, is no longer there. At a convenience store, he runs into Lloyd and Caroline and takes them hostage, ordering them to drive him to their house. Along the way, Caroline and Lloyd keep arguing, with Gus having to repeatedly intercede and tell them to shut up. As they arrive home, Gus has Lloyd and Caroline tied up while they continue to bicker knowing that Murray usually seeks refugee at shady bars. Gus calls the local bar and manages to get in touch with him. He instructs Murray to steal a boat to their getaway. The police set up a roadblock to impose a curfew to look for the cat burglars. Lieutenant Huff, the police chief, is less than concerned because the town rarely sees criminal activity like this. Jesse, who is their son, has been away at military school, arrives home early than his parents expect. The parents do not know that Jesse has been blackmailing the school's commanding officer, Siskel, with photographs of an affair. He is stashing the money with plans of running away. Gus has Jesse tied up along with his parents. Jesse, unhappy with his home life, pleads to join Gus into a life of crime. Gus calls Jesse out for being naive and tells the boy he should appreciate his comfortable upbringings. And that's part one. The way this movie starts, you know, it's kind of, you got that Christmassy music that starts and you see all these happy people. You're almost like thrown back to like the 1930s, 1940s type of movie making where, you know, you have kids looking through windows of toy shops and everybody seems to be happy and you got the snow going and you got, got the salvation. Singing, and... Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, this is the best life possible, right? It steps you know, this you is up to life, something, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, this is life in the suburbs, and that's what I what they're doing here is they're they're giving you the glossy version of what Christmas is like. That Christmas is all happy and joyful and all that stuff. But later on, we get to see what you know Christmas really is like. People are like, "Do we have to go to Grandma and Grandpa's house or Aunt somebody's house or whatever the case may be?" It's all complaining and putting on a happy face once you get to wherever you're going. Because there's so much stress that comes with preparing foods and, and driving long distances and things of that nature. So this movie starts off with of giving you this kind of rose-colored glasses picture of the holidays. But then it goes right straight into the marriage counseling. And then then the fireworks go off.
1: Dr. Wong. Dr. Wong, yeah. you're a Wong. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's your stereotypical uh, marriage counselor. How does that make you feel? yes. Oh, I think it's it great. a great
0: setup to to do that to bring us right into that counseling session. It's like yin and yang; we're going from one thing to another, and I think it's just a really nice setup just to start off. I think the pace of the dialogue that we get between these two and in, in their relationship, the dialogue is great. This movie is great; has great dialogue. The writing is superb.
2: The writing here is very crisp. It's very pointed. They really touch the nerve of exactly what each character can just needle the others, the back and forth between the two, the man and the wife. He was made
1: for that banter. Oh, I mean, he is, it's literally like a precursor to, um, him playing president. Yeah. The rest of his career, his sarcasm and his wit and his one liners and his outburst. It is just, I could watch it all day. Mm -hmm.
2: His delivery is great. And, um, the crispness and the, the pointedness of, the, of their arguments back and forth, or the way they dig at each other, it's just amazing. It, it, it's a great setup for these two characters. This is a problem that a lot of movies have, where it doesn't initially establish what the characters, who they are, and what they're doing. You don't have to wait at all here. You know exactly after the first five, ten minutes of the movie, you know exactly who each one of these characters are. It allows the freedom, I think, there Than to go for the rest of the movie because you've already established who they are. I think it just gave them a freedom, the writers a freedom to explore the even funnier aspects of their characters. I love these characters. The, the characters I mean, you, are great. You kind of
1: know what you're getting into when she starts talking about her dreams, about the meal <laughs> that served to her. It's, you know right then, you know what kind of movie you're yeah, walking into. It's had Florentine,
0: went, you know, with yeah, his,
1: you know, yeah. castrated, you know, with his penis yeah. in his ear. Exactly. You, know, you know what you're coming into when you're like, okay, this right. is the road we're going down oh. now.
0: The lines are colorful and yeah, they, they're a little scripted, but the way they're performed, it comes out very naturally and I think Right off the bat, you kind of like relate to both of them in their arguments. You have the husband who's dealing with an affair and he just wants to move on and forget about it. I just wish he doesn't bring up this dream at dinner parties, right? Right, So he, right. he might have written off the marriage and stuff like that, but he doesn't also want to get the divorce. And that's, I know a lot of people like that, where they're in a marriage that's rough, but for whatever reason, they, divorce is not an option. Where for her divorce is an option. She's looking for possibly a way out. You know, right off the bat, you kind of feel for both of them. Both actors do a great job of humanizing their characters, where it could be a very comical or too cartoonish. But I think they're well-rounded characters. And as we see throughout the rest of the movie, like for instance, when they go to the store, they're still arguing when she leaves to go in there. He says something to her, you know, if she sees anything through, he'll put his own dick in his, own, in his ear and she walks off upset and you can see on his face that he doesn't know why he did it. You know, why did I do that? Why did I say that? Why did I hurt her like that? And it humanizes that character. So later on in the film, we root for everybody. You know, we root for her and we root for him and we actually root for Dennis Leary. So these actors really take it up a notch.
2: I couldn't agree more. There's a lot of nuance that's delivered between the actors and how they approach their characters. It it would be really easy and stereotypical to have them all be just one-dimensional characters and just leave it at that. But the writers here really go above and beyond to make these people feel three-dimensional and like that they're real people and that's a talent to be able to write people that feel really human And, and the actors live up to that writing and really deliver the nuanced performances that the characters deserve and the fact that it's a comedy that does that it makes it even better because it's actually legitimately funny
0: we got great writing but husband and wife have great chemistry when Kevin Spacey and Judy Davis at the end of their session, they say in unison, "Fuck you to mm-hmm. to Doctor Wong." It sounds like a couple being, you know, on mm-hmm. on the same page, right? It's in unison. There's no lag, and there's kind of some kind of weird harmony mm-hmm. to their "fuck you" to the to the therapist that I'm like, "This is a real couple, right?" I mean, for me, it was perfect. So when Dear Leary comes back with Caroline. Uh, brings her back to the car you have kevin spacey's character actually worried he cares about her he's not scared for himself which maybe he is scared a little bit for himself but the first thing he's worried about is her are you okay right and again continues to humanize these characters instead of being just just one-dimensional we'll see what comes out of their mouth to make it funny they're human beings that happen to have great dialogue right yeah. Uh, I think it's a great setup at the beginning of the movie for this.
1: I agree with you except Judy Davis's character I could give or take. She's pretty replaceable in my opinion. I know the chemistry is there, but I think you could put any other actress in there and the chemistry would be pretty similar. Her lines are pretty generic. I think Kevin Spacey definitely takes spousal lead when it comes to sarcasm and lines and fighting. I just don't buy her as much. I'm not real attracted, if you will, to the between them both, I definitely am more attracted to Kevin Spacey's wit than it is to her.
0: I think she works best when it comes to the mother-in-law. When we later on see oh, the job. yeah, right. But I think the chemistry between her she's and the still mother-in-law too. She's a hundred years old. She's a hundred years, years old. Hundred oh, years old. Yeah. Wow. Yes. Yes. Crazy. So Glenn John, if you know, plays the mother in Mary Poppins.
2: Oh yeah. So, a,
0: so she's this sweet lady in Mary Poppins, right? Like sweet to the kids, sweet to her husband. But then this role, she's kind of the exact opposite. But we'll talk oh, more complete. about her. Yeah. We'll talk about her more later in the second part of the movie. But I disagree with you. So Judy Davis, when I was younger, you know, didn't do anything for me as far as an attraction. You know, I don't I, don't, I don't think no, no, she's no, an attractive. No, 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 no. Don't get me
1: wrong. I'm not, I, yeah. I, maybe I came across wrong. Though. I'm not talking physically attractive. No, I get that. I I'm get talking that. like attractiveness of the, of the dialogue that she's given. It didn't feel cohesive. It didn't jive with me like Kevin Spacey's dialogue did.
0: For me, I think it it works. I think for me, for her, it works. I think she sells it enough for me. I think her Mm. being frustrated, let's say in the, when she's in the grocery store and she's, She's heartbroken.
1: Well, the great she's, she's just sitting there looking at food. She didn't say anything. Any idiot has, can do that. No, but the facial yes. looks. It's the oh, facial whatever. looks no. and it's her facial reaction. Weak. Weak No, I don't it's think a it's a weak, weak scene. Totally weak scene. No, I don't think it's a weak scene. I think it it again humanizes her. And why does Kevin Spacey need to kidnap someone at this local store? It's just kind of weird that he just Mean Leary walks in Ke- a store. Kevin says, Spacey
0: probably does that in real life. But oh, did I say did... Dennis yeah. Leary?
1: I'm sorry, Kevin Spacey. Shut up. <laughs> so, no, I just thought it was very odd that Dennis Leary kind of, you know, wanders into a store. I'm assuming that was his intent to kidnap someone?
0: Kidnap one person. It wasn't to kidnap a couple. He thought he she was there by herself. She looked vulnerable. I think that's what the ideal was was he was trying to find somebody that was vulnerable that he could just right take doing in the grocery store is kind of weird though I would I would think he would wait till she walked out and not do it in front of people this is a movie right I will forgive that that movie sin on on this one for that but I I'm going to disagree I think she does a really good job could somebody do it better yes but I think the chemistry between her and Kevin Spacey is really good and at this time. She's a bigger name than Kevin Spacey. I think she's listed second uh, in the movie, and mm-hmm. Kevin Spacey's listed third.
1: That makes sense. Yeah. yeah.
0: We haven't gotten to uh, Usual Suspects yet. You know, that's a couple years away.
1: Yeah, that's where he definitely makes it.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, he'll forever be Kaiser Sosa.
1: Yes, he will be. And he's also a lot of other things now.
2: Yeah, that's a that's unfortunate, to say the least, but. We're gonna to try to separate the actor from the from real life here, but it's kind of hard how, to do though. It's kind of hard to do. It now. Is.
0: It really is. Well, during the movie, I'm thinking, why? You know, why did you have to be that kind of guy, right? Why couldn't you right.
2: use your power for good instead of evil? Right. You say that. With great about power a lot comes people. great responsibility. So. Yeah. All right, Spider Man. <laughs> um. All right, Uncle Ben. Um. <laughs> I adore Dennis Leary. The way he delivers his lines is very reminiscent of his stand-up. Reminiscent? Um, it's like practically it, verbatim. It's, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's... the the way he delivers the lines is it, you can tell it's if you've seen his stand-up. I, it's almost identical and you can almost interchange the jokes that um that he says from the stand-up to the movie, yeah. but well, the director
0: is also the director of his stand-up.
2: Right, exactly. Which makes a lot of sense, yes. Yeah, this role was made for him. It's This is, it's a chef's kiss. Every, you feel his frustration. <laughs> chef's <in> his... kiss. <laughs> <laughs> right? The lines that he's given are just delivered with his sarcasm and just, it's just awesome. And he's so funny. He's the, supposed to be the bad guy, but you almost feel bad for him because he's thrown into this situation and he's way over his head. My line that I said at the beginning of the, the pod that I've hijacked my fucking parents, right? It's, but he's also very intelligent. Like his interactions with the son, there's something very genuine. This is the point where you can see Dennis Leary's success as an actor Later on, in, in the TV show Rescue Me, it's very and good some show. Of the, from some of the other stuff that he does, because even though that he's the sarcastic, funny guy, you know, and everything, when he puts the son in the closet and they're kind of having a heart to heart, he feels like he was that kid, and he really feels bad for the kid. It's very nuanced. Not a lot of comedic actors, and not a lot of comed- stand up comedians make that transition to have that sort of nuance in their performances. So I really provide high praise for his acting here.
0: Yeah, I agree with you, Ted. Uh, and I don't think it's, and I understand where Eric's coming from with the stand-up. Some of the lines are delivered that way, but there's a lot of stuff that he does really well. When he's there trying to steal in the mansion and he goes down and he, and, and he meets the dog, his facial reactions, the thing, it's like a seasoned a veteran of acting. He's watching the dog chew the uh, pool ball that he throws at him, right? <laughs> yeah. This is funny stuff right off the bat, but it, it's not funny enough without his reaction to it. That's something that it takes years for usual actors to come across. And I think he does a great job of reacting to Kevin Spacey and to Judy Davis. I think he does a great job of reacting to these two actors and feeding off of them who are seasoned actors. I, I, I wouldn't doubted it they probably gave him pointers throughout the movie to help him along i don't know that for a fact but i know they're both good actors so i would assume that that might have been the case he's more than just doing a stand-up routine here i think because of a performance like this has allowed him to stick and like you said you know he he had his own tv shows he's been in a number of movies he's been in a spider-man movie he's done other movies because he knows how to act operation Mm -hmm. dumbo drop (laughs) thomas crown affair Hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. no he's 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 clearly a good actor actor and he's a great comedian i I think his no cure for cancer stand-up special obviously catapulted him into this movie it's not verbatim his stand-up comedy but his stand-up comedy definitely helps out you need that sarcastic wit you've got a cat burglar who's not He's not there to murder. He's not there to rape. He's not there to torture. He's just there to steal stuff. So he's not violent. He's the perfect person to actually take these people hostage because they know, and you know that he's not going to hurt them. Right. He can
2: threaten them. He might lose it every once in a while. And I was saying about the stand-up, it's more of the cadence and the and some of the deliveries of the lines. it's it's very, very reminiscent of how he delivers his stand-up lines. Clearly. That, that's, Clearly. That's, all I, that's all I was saying. Yeah, There are stand-up comedians to this day that cannot pull off what he pulls off here. I would have seen
1: the outtakes of this movie if they were available. Oh, yeah,
2: yeah. I will
0: say that it wasn't really his first time out. He did have a number of movies out there, like The Sandlot. He played the, the father to one of the kids. Oh, that's Demolition right, Man. he did. Demolition Man. Oh, Demolition Man. Man. I mean, he wasn't a main actor in any of the things that I've just mentioned. And there was no need for any type of range in any of these movies that I just mentioned. Yeah. Except for the one he did before this, and that's Judgment Night. I don't know if you guys have ever seen Judgment Night, Night. yeah. With yeah. Jeremy Piven and uh, Emilio Emilio Estevez. Estevez, yeah. It's a very good movie. And he plays a really good bad guy in it. But I think this movie, he's kind of the whole bone wax is that the right way of saying mm-hmm. it? yeah wax. He's, oh, yeah he's the yeah. yeah. he's he's whole built. package here and i think this is his coming out party and he's showing his versatility in this movie yeah
1: one of the scenes i liked is the kind of the assumptions that he makes that are real life assumptions uh caroline quitting smoking and he's mm-hmm. an avid smoker he Where knows if you're quitting smoking caroline? You, you've got something hidden you don't you don't rarely quit cold turkey, and I—I I just liked yeah. how he kind of was like wear the cigarettes, Caroline. You know, Caroline. You know yeah. they're there. She, you need, yeah. yeah.
2: It's the little details that are written in to each of these characters, because like when they're walking up the stairs and he notices the painting is a Chagall. Yes, it's like there's more to this guy than just a cat burglar. It's those little details that really add so much to this. It's it's what makes me like the whole movie as a whole. They're real people.
0: I like that scene here because that that could be easily considered a throwaway scene in a way, but it's not because then they have that discussion about the restaurant. It just adds layers to their character. He's not just a mommy's boy who works in her shop. They they try to make something work. They try to be restaurant owners. I do like he says, "What are we girlfriends here?" I like that <laughs> line. That's that's a nice little fun I like- line
2: things get a little bit serious and then, you know, he brings it back to reality. Right. And this is the thing too, because we'll, you know, we'll get a little back to it at the end. All of these little things, nothing is really ever forgotten. The writers pay off almost everything in one great, amazing scene. I can't praise the writing enough. And I, I agree completely with Roger Ebert. All of the critics that I read that praise the writing here it's really good a lot of writers today could take a, a lot of notes instead of just leaving something hanging there you they pay it off
0: the concept of the movie is stupid okay let's be perfectly frank the idea of the kidnapping and pretending that you're a therapist later on and having you know folks over <laughs> all that all that stuff is is kind of stupid
1: yeah but it's
0: but but they focused on the characters and gave them dialogue to make them interesting. The concept of the film is stupid, but the characters are not. And I think that's what drives us here. When they get tied up in the bedroom and, they, and they're, they're arguing and Kevin Spacey's character just goes off. I don't have time. To do this or do that, but you don't see me with a gun or you don't see me sleeping with somebody else. That brings again back to us saying that this is a real person who's dealing with some real shit.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And then you just have all this crazy stuff that's going around it. And I think the balancing act that they do with keeping it real and keeping it fun is amazing. It kind of falls off a little bit towards the end of the movie. But for the most part of this movie, the balancing act is really great.
2: We haven't even really touched on the, the Keystone Cops aspect of the town and and how they're just a bunch of bumbling doofuses. They do add color, but I, I think that you know we should remain focused on the main characters here because it's really their movie. They just, supporting char- cast of characters, they just add color to everything, like the drunken Santa. So I think he runs the, the hardware store, right? Hardware store, yeah. He comes oh, right yeah. out at the beginning, yes. I, yeah. I made that connection. The writers, they they don't... Even they, they give a detail to each one of these even supporting characters that all pays off because even the lieutenant, he gets the final dig... the the rich snob at the end at the end of their interaction three times
0: bob (laughs) three times bob she said you never went three (laughs) times
2: Yeah. yeah and i love the delivery and and i like that actor too he's a really good character actor he's played bad guys and and everything too but he's his delivery is just so straight it's just so straight laced and straightforward and It's really good. When you talk about the bumbling,
0: you know, idiots, the police officers who don't know what they're doing because nothing ever happens in this town. Yeah, they're they're volunteers. Yeah, they're basically volunteers that they really don't know what they're doing. But I like the fact that we do go to them, but it's a a short amount of time that kind of like just gives us a little break from the main characters that we need. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I think it's a smart thing to do. Give us a little break from our main characters, to that gives us more desire for them to come back, right? And then so when they come back, we're ready for them. And so I think yeah. I think they're needed, but at the same time, yeah. outside of that, they don't really add a lot of value. It was funny watching them watch "It's a Wonderful Life" because it right. reminded me that probably at that time, "It's a Wonderful Life" was still being able to use for free.
2: Yeah, because if I'm thinking '94,
0: because you would have to pay some money for that film to
1: be in your film.
2: Oh yeah, but the fact that
1: they weren't able to use a VCR kind of (laughs) threw me for a loop. It's like they've never seen this thing before.
2: Even these small characters, they add just the right amount of color to the picture, and like Ken said, they're they're there just enough, but they're not thrown away. They're treated like real characters. That's a, that's a testament to them because easily you could just throw these characters away and be like, oh, you know, we're just going to move on to something else. Cause you know, we've reviewed so many movies that where the writers did do something like that, where they just, they throw the background characters away and they don't treat them like real characters, but here they, they each have their own little idiosyncrasies and their own little thing about them that makes them individual. And it's really refreshing to see, in my opinion. It makes the whole experience more enjoyable, in my opinion. I think they try
0: really hard to make us believe that this is a very close-knit town. For instance, they know that Willard, who is the guy who has the mansion, that his dog is named Kennibal. Mm You know, they they know these things. Please... You know, they all grew up with each other, so they know the police officers that come in to visit their door. And Santa comes and knows you by first name, right? They try to sell us into this fact that this is a community. And that's, again, what we see at the beginning of the movie, that they're pushing that on us, that all these characters matter. They're all connected in some type of way. This is good stuff. I just love the kitchen scene, too, of this movie, where they're arguing and, and he actually shoots them with the water to, to shut them up. And that still doesn't shut them up because they still go down. And you know, so he has to push them, push them down to the, to the ground. And then he can, he can this, He catches them both in lies, right? You yes. know, did, he, did you say you would yeah. quit? Then that makes right, you right. a liar, you know? And so right, right, right. there, here's where he is becoming the rough. The rough. This is where yeah. he's becoming the therapist. He's both letting them know that you're both full of shit. Mm-hmm. And he's calling them out on it. So starting from here, on the rest of the movie, he kind of makes them reflect on the words that are coming out of their mouths.
2: That's the only continuity error that I caught in the whole movie. He sprays what? them with the water, but yeah. neither one of them are wet. The rest of the she's wet. The now. rest of the
0: time she's wet when they're on the ground. She's wet, but he's completely dry. Yeah, um, she is. She is wet. Yeah,
2: I didn't catch yeah. that. Okay, I'm going
1: to have yeah. to watch that again. Actually, now. <laughs> I love continuity errors.
2: That's the only one that I really thought. I'm like, oh, okay, but it it was it still doesn't take away the fact that it's funny yeah. that he sprays them down.
0: <laughs> the only thing I'm maybe not a big fan of is is the son. I, I wish I would. There was a little bit more to Jesse. I mean, the, we we paint a picture of him as being somebody who, okay, he steals the baby Jesus from the nativity scene, right? Why does he's he blackmailing do
1: everyone? He's trying to get all this money to leave home because he hates his life, and you know, right? Yeah, I mean, he's
0: he's miserable who. when he's when he's with Dennis Leary, and they're having their, those conversations that you mentioned early. I I, I don't mind those. Like him and like Kevin Spacey, I don't feel the father son love even towards the end, which we'll talk about. Maybe more so with the mother son type of deal, and maybe that's more natural. But
1: he's just a whiny little kid, and I kind of want to, you know, punch him in the face a little bit. Let me ask you, yeah. Ted. Did this movie? I was talking with Kenner about this earlier. Did this movie give you any vibes of like Home Alone?
2: Not really. No, I, I think it's. Okay. I, I think it's more. Um... I guess it's just us. When he says
1: "us," he means him and his wife. Yes. Yeah. No. We both looked at each other. I said, "I say, you know, this movie reminds me of a movie." And she goes, "Home Alone." I go, "Yeah."
2: It's not that I can't see what you're, where you're getting at. I just, I'm in a different headspace here. See, that's the thing. I'm being a little bit younger. Home Alone hit me as a kid, right in the right spot. So (sighs) I have memories of being a kid seeing Home Alone.
1: God, I hate that movie so much it's hate it's not that yet movie. now
2: nowadays as an adult i don't see the humor so to speak what i do find funny about home alone though is the youtube videos of the doctors of real life doctors er doctors talking about the different injuries that the bandits took and essentially that they would have been dead right <laughs> i find that very amusing for me though the, the only thing
0: that's similar here is it takes place at Christmas time and mostly in, in the house. That's the only two things because one is made for kids. Let's be honest. Home Alone is a
1: kid friendly yeah, movie for the most there's part. No cursing or swearing in. I no. get it. I'm just saying it was yeah, just that was ironic almost, that I was thinking that. And we just kind of looked at each other. And I, yeah. just for whatever reason, I just get that vibe. I know they're not similar. They have completely different plots, they have completely different uh, words, audiences. I mean, audiences. It,
0: it, so I don't know where the comparison is except for what is One that it's is a beloved Christmas.
1: movie. The other one is not. You can guess which one is and which one isn't. Everybody
0: I talk to who's gotten older with Home Alone, I feel like has liked it less and less and less as they've you gotten older. Of it.
1: Yeah, you yeah I hated it. it when it first came out. So, oh, I didn't
0: oh. I liked I liked it. I thought it was funny. I saw it in the theater, now, so I thought it was funny.
1: Not not that I want to turn this into a home alone podcast uh, and I'll let it go, but yeah. the only thing I like Macaulay Culkin in is the good son. You ever seen The Good Son? Yes. Yeah. Good Where he plays that evil, evil With Elijah Wood, which we just talked yes. about in the yes. in,
0: in The Lord of the Rings. So.
1: I, I love him in that movie. Other than that, I could care less about him and maybe that's why I don't like that movie. But I digress. We're not talking yes, about home alone. We're talking Let's get about to the, the second half of yeah. this movie. Let's get We're to the second that. half again. Oh, before we get to the second half, there's one
0: more character. Murray. <laughs> is Murray really needed in this movie at all? I guess that's the reason why he's stuck in the house, so I guess he Maybe needs something. Maybe that's why I'm
1: getting that Home Alone vibe. Murray? Murray is would... kind of like the character... Um, Joe Pesci? Our... No, Peshy's no. Curry? Daniel yeah. Stern's character. Oh, Daniel Stern.
2: Hesci yeah,
1: yeah. would, <laughs> would be the leery one.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think that's I maybe why I'm getting
1: though. You got the maybe. two bumbling idiots. Murray's not needed.
2: Murray has just enough. He does what he's supposed to do. He's apparently he's he con- doesn't do what he's supposed to <laughs> do. <laughs> he's the conduit to the end of the movie, so that they can escape, So which I'm, we'll talk about
1: towards
0: the end. Yeah, I would say one of my favorite lines is when when he because when he's trying to keep on calling him like the police answer yeah. and things that of that nature. Funny. And then he picks, you know, and then Desley picks up the phone and he hangs uh-huh. up on him. And he's like, "Well, he sounded upset." And he said, "He should be. He's going
1: to die a miserable death." So yeah.
0: it's lines like that, you know, those lines that come out of Dennis Leary's mouth.
1: Or like when he asked liners. the bartender, "You know, is Murray there?" No one named Murray. Is <laughs> a, a
2: miserable waste of life. Yes.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, Gus.
2: Yeah. Okay. Gus. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. Character kind of annoys me a tad. But I mean, like you said, he does just enough to kind of be what he needs to be. I guess the son is needed too, but I it just
1: Yeah, annoys but what me. what kind of what kind of kid are you really going to put? Any kid who's going to be playing that role is probably going to be some, you know, self-righteous. That's why you have to hate the kid is just because who he is. I think
0: it's great yeah. that they they had to tie him up and keep him out of the movie cuz with really, bungee
1: cords no less. The bungee
0: cords I mean, I get what they're trying to do with him. They're trying to make him, us relate with him because his parents are fighting and that he's having a hard time dealing with it because he's blackmailing somebody for eleven you know eleven thousand dollars. I guess he's got it it comes off across us not being sympathetic with him.
2: He's hard to feel sorry for, but he also plays a a good role as to showing the the other another side of Dennis Leary's character. It makes the character pay off, in, in my opinion. The Just the scene of them together in, in the closet is enough to make the character pay off. The fact that he's blackmailing somebody to run away, you know, Dennis Leary can connect with him, that, you know, he sees him going down the same path that he went down. And I think that connection is a good connection for Dennis Leary's character. So in that sense, I think that it, the character serves a, a purpose.
0: But does he really talk him out of it? I mean, it's, I don't know. It, it doesn't make it sound like the life is a bad life and that nobody should become a thief. I don't feel like Dennis Leary gives enough world advice. Well, I, saying, think he, this... I
2: think he does. Do I, I okay. think, yeah, I think so. We'll put it this way. I buy it. Okay, so <laughs> well, let's
0: go and get to part two. Part so two it is. As the police search for Gus expands, he is forced to continue hiding out while waiting on Murray. Tom King mares are visiting neighbors such as George, who is dressed up as Santa Claus, and arrives to deliver a fruitcake to the family. Later, Lloyd's family, his brother Gary, sister-in-law Connie, and their two children, Mary and John, and Rose, who is the mother, arrive to celebrate Christmas Eve. Rose is extremely wealthy and bullies everyone in the family. To hide suspicion that Lloyd and Caroline are being held hostage, Gus pretends to be Dr. Wong and tells Lloyd's family his presence is needed as part of the experimental therapy. Jesse is tied up and gagged upstairs in his parents' closet, and during the family dinner, Caroline and Lloyd are unable to stop fighting, and Caroline demands a divorce. Gus pointed Comets goad Lloyd to stand up to his wife and his mother. Everyone finds out who Gus really is after Rose attempts to go upstairs, and he puts a gun to her head. Go ahead, shoot her. Sisko turns up at the door and reveals how he's being blackmailed. Jesse manages to untie himself, and his parents discover his hidden money. George, still dressed as Santa, but now very drunk, returns to the home, protesting why he never gets a gift in return. He spots the gun and realizes who Gus is, but gets knocked out. The state police arrive, and Lloyd, having a change of heart, decides he cannot spend his life sending everyone he cares about to prison. He instructs Jesse to take Gus to the docks using a path through the woods. Gus, in George's Santa suit, makes it safely to a boat where Murray awaits. Back at home, the couple's bickering drives away the police. Having aired out their differences throughout the evening with Gus's assistant, they make up and decide to stay together. Their reconciliation is interrupted when John informs them that Grandma Rose is eating through her gag. The end.
2: Okay. I think the second half of this movie really, it all culminates with Kevin Spacey's speech where he starts what? to go off on his mom. The corpse has the floor speech? Yeah, <laughs> and everybody, and it pays off all of the, the other jokes. And it pays off a lot of the other plot lines where that everything has been on him. And he's been making the decisions and he didn't want to be what his wife wanted him is accusing him of being and how he's just been a kind of a victim of circumstance and that he's been unfairly criticized and blamed for a lot of the problems. And it all pays off because you get to see him stand up to his mom, who is a complete overbearing matriarch of this family. The funny stuff is the stuff where they're trying to ad lib as as things get more serious, I like it when Dennis
1: Leary actually turns on the other family members. He's like, Is this part of the therapy? You know, where he just like completely just rolls in. Yeah. And he's like, Shut the fuck up. It's, I like right. it. It's like,
0: I heard something similar on Oprah last week. Yes. You know, yes.
2: Right. yes. Like kind of dumb. Where did you go to school? His brother has one of the funniest lines in the movie when the, he says that he's, she's asking for a divorce. And he looks all like, surprised why? and he goes, Well, why? <laughs> <laughs>
0: It was a waste and of that, character, though. Sorry.
2: It, it makes me laugh every time because it's like you can't see what's in front of your face. It's so funny. But Christine Berneransky is really good in, in her role as the sister-in-law. I think she uh, she's known a lot for her TV, her TV roles, especially. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she's really known for being uh, Leonard's mom in uh, The Big Bang Theory. Wasn't she but also on a
0: CBS show? Like I was gonna say, "The Good Wife."
2: Oh yeah, or, yeah, yeah, She's been she's in quite the a Same
1: character. She's she's the same character in everything she plays. She's not very likable here. She hits her t-
0: kids like left and right.
1: <laughs> and, yeah,
2: and I find uh, that so funny too yeah. because she's like,
0: There's like so shut many up, things it's
2: Christmas. We're here to celebrate right?
0: Christmas," and she just slaps the kid across the you
2: know.
0: <laughs> Talk it, about abusing your kids, jeez.
2: It it makes me laugh. I know Eric's going to talk about. it. He doesn't like the way the movie ends, but I, I kind of like the way the movie ends. I read that Ted Demi he wished he would have kept the original ending where Gus gets caught and well, they all die in the end. Yeah, the glory time. shootout. Yeah. yeah, I don't. I don't know. I like the way the movie ends because you do kind of root for Dennis Leary's character. Even though that he's a he's considered a bad guy, and I was rooting for um, him, I just thought it was a very cheesy ending. Cheesy ending, okay. Yeah, I, yes. I can buy that. I think
0: what it is, this is overdone. Okay, he's a thief. He's not a murderer, but they have the state police there. They have right, the local right. police there. Yeah.
1: I mean, it's kind of Road overblown. Blocks, curfews, I right? Mean, right? Yeah. So door to door searches. It's a little extreme.
0: It's extreme, but I think that's why we're okay with him, you know, getting away with it because it, it is such a, like we said earlier, a Keystone Capers type of deal, and you kind of want the the robber to get away from the police because they're idiots, basically. Mm-hmm. So they they set up the characters perfectly for us to be okay with him getting away with it. I wanted to add because I did talk about uh, Glennis Johns earlier, but she steals the rest of the movie because of how. Just downright evil Evil. she is. Yeah. I mean, and that also takes away from the fact that Gus is a bad guy because she takes on the persona of being the bad guy. You know, right when she walks into the door, the quote from her, she already looks like she she's pissed off. She's always making she's already making comments. She brings up the fact that Caroline cheated on Lloyd at the dinner table in front of the whole family. She's not likable and then when they dismiss to go have like coffee in the other room she's like where's my picture on the wall she's such a narcissist type of character that we can go ahead and hate on her and be okay with gus getting away with it but she's she's wonderful i love i love her at the end her going back and forth again with gus and
2: mm-hmm. she's
0: saying i, think, like, he's
1: I like, think one of the I, greatest lines is how dare you speak to me that way in my house
0: <laughs> but my my favorite line though is I would like to tie you to a back of a truck and she goes you don't have the balls. And right. Just the way that comes off. I mean
2: And he and he gets mad and Kevin Spacey has to hold him back. That's right. Back. Right. I hate, it's her. I hate her. It's it's it. it. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Yeah. 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 But she's such yeah, a no.
0: great antagonist. And the gifts and everything, and, you know, like, slipper sock and the sweater and
2: oh, the, the husky sweater. underwear. You know? Yeah. <laughs> she's the worst. And you even start to feel bad for Kevin Spacey's brother and sister-in-law. Uh, right. The way she way she treats them. She just, I love it. Just I love it when he gives everybody. Everybody. When he a she... check to her. I hope interest rates don't go up next year. <laughs> I know.
1: She, right? we'll, have to see. Right. we'll have to
0: see how interest rates go up next year. <laughs> 18 percent mm. so mm. but oh as God. you're saying that i wonder if she lives with them because they all no, came she together doesn't.
2: okay but i no, didn't know they, if she did or they not they rent the house from her
0: mm-hmm. no no i'm talking about with the other family the the brother's family
2: oh yeah yeah that's oh. never really that's really, never really established i don't think so i, I don't you're think right. christine baranski's character would allow no. her to live with <laughs>
0: You know what? Though they kiss her butt because of the money that she has, so there is a possibility she already has her this one son paying her, oh, her yeah. mortgage with interest. So I wouldn't doubt it if she
2: runs the household at the other brother's. Oh, house. I'm sure she tried. Definitely does. Yeah. So because, a, because he doesn't stand up, he's he's yeah, even worse he's been...
0: than than uh, than Lloyd is. My other favorite line here is, "Your husband's not dead. He's hiding."
2: Right. So, it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some amazing she, one-liners here.
0: But she does steal the second half of this movie, I mean, clearly. Which is
2: great because I think
0: that's what it needs. I think you need that last character to take a little bit weight off of all the characters that we just had because it could become a little tiresome, right? Because we've been dealing with, you know, for over an hour the relationship between caroline and lloyd and them fighting and and gus dealing with that we needed something else to kind of mix into that and i think that that, i think that's great that we have rose coming in here and then everybody goes against her it's about Mm -hmm. everybody against her whereas before it was all spread out and i think i think that's a nice change of pace as far as the ending goes it's it doesn't bother me anyway but i do agree that it kind of gets wrapped up kind of quickly and it's kind of wrapped up in a bow at the end mm-hmm. really, really fast. Yeah, um, real fast. But to be honest with you, this is the right amount of time that it needs to end. The movie has done everything it can do, and there's nothing more that you can do to ex- to extend this out. If you try to extend yeah, this I mean, out any further, I think there's you're going to run into problems.
2: Yeah, and Kevin Spacey's speech, it wraps up a lot of things because that's the healing moment and the catharsis that everybody in the family needs. And he steps up and says what everybody has wanted to say. That whole section just wraps the movie up really well. And it sets everything towards to getting the movie to to the end. Had the writers not made the investment into the, into the characters that they made, I would probably be a little more, more jaded as far as them making up with each other. But, throughout the movie you've seen like Kenneth pointed out these little moments where they each still have affection for each other even though they're fighting and needling each other all the time I understand where those characters are coming from that there's still a love there that that they can build on
0: you go back to the beginning with Dr. Wong and he says how communication is so important right and so that pays off at the end here because both of them You know, Caroline and Lloyd both get to have their big speeches,
2: get Mm -hmm.
0: to, you know, explain what's going on. And they're in front of everybody else. So everybody else is kind of like therapy for them. This is at the end. This is an intervention. And basically, when they hear each other out, they're listening for probably the first time. They're really, truly listening. And I think it allows them to swallow their pride at the end there and realize that it's not about being right. It's not about you being wrong and me being right. They both realized that they both had responsibilities and they both can do better. And I think that's why I'm okay at the end with them being back together is because they reached a point where they could connect again. It doesn't mean that everything's going to be perfect moving forward. They're still probably going to have to deal with a lot of crap. But I think it's a great start because I think they're finally communicating
2: one of the funnier you're talking about lines is when um, J.K. Simmons' character shows up and, and Dennis Leary goes, Jesus, what am my Oswald the Army's right. after me, yeah. too? Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. Well, you think about it, you had the local police, the state police, right. and now you're right. the military. The army,
1: like, it's like, now oh, Oswald? <laughs> yeah. Uh. Yeah, that's perfectly done. Yeah, I <laughs> definitely think the second part of this movie definitely rolls over the first. The first part of the movie builds up but really, it just ramps up and it just takes off when they're yeah. all sitting at dinner. Like from that point on, it's just putting candles yeah. on their heads, talking about <laughs> that weird, yeah. the weird whatever. Sight, I don't remember yeah. what it is, but it's just that she's reading about, it and they got these yeah. candles on their heads. I'm like, what <laughs> and the that, hell? And st- yeah, and she's giving that
0: story, and then they were like, like stabbing her, and right, like, this right, is a Christmas right. story. Yeah. And she's like, I can't take this without sex and and killing, and all this
2: other stuff. Yeah, it's just just crazy. All
1: right, well, we've had a lot of fun talking about this movie here, so let's kind of slide into our reviews. We'll kick it off with Ken. Tell us your thoughts of the movie. I love this movie.
0: As simple as that. Thank you, Ken. That's
1: wonderful. it's, (laughs) It's fun. I like... Dialogue like this.
0: I love the the go-between between all the characters, especially the, the top five characters in this movie. The dialogue from back and forth between them, like I think Ted said earlier, is crisp. Maybe coming from other actors, it would sound more scripted, but it doesn't come off being scripted here. It it, it comes off being genuine and funny and moving sometimes. I think there this movie does little wrong, especially considering... The plot of this movie. The actors are awesome in this. Dennis Leary is great. Kevin Spacey is good in this movie. I'm going to give it an A-. minus. There's really not much I can say that I dislike. The only thing I'm surprised about is how long it's been since I've watched this movie.
1: Okay. For me, I just saw the movie uh, this week. I got to say, you know, the first time I watched it, I was a little little on the fence. But I watched it a second time, and it really kind of grew on me. Not like a mold or a fungus. It grew on me for, for good. I'm, I'm a big Dennis Leary fan. Love Dennis Leary. No Cure for Cancer is one of my favorite stand-ups of all time. So I always liked Dennis Leary in this movie. And I, I love Kevin Spacey as an actor as well. And I thought he was great. The rest of the cast, you know, they really had to grow on me. And I got to say, this movie definitely hit me in a, a positive way. I really enjoyed this movie. The second time around I watched it, I was kind of watching it for more of the satire and more of the uh, comedic timing of everyone involved and just the arguments amongst them. It's a fun movie. It is a really fun Christmas movie. It's definitely one I would recommend. I don't think it's an A or an A-, minus, but it's definitely not an average movie. I think it's definitely underscored. It definitely should have done better at the box office uh, A March release date. Probably killed this thing. It's a fun movie if you don't mind a little bit of vulgarity and a little bit of language, and you're okay with the Lord's name in vain every nine words. It's a fun movie, you know. Don't be so you know thin skinned. Enjoy it. It's it's a solid B for me, and I would
2: definitely watch it again. Ted, take us home. You you know, Ken said something at the end of his um, review that I was thinking about putting in my review. I'm glad that. I was able to watch this movie again because I don't think I truly appreciated it when I saw it back in the day, because I don't understand why this isn't a movie that I watch regularly because I, I thoroughly enjoyed the movie. I really am having a hard time figuring out a thing that I can say negative about the movie because I truly, truly enjoy everything. And I, I think that the writing here is top notch. I mean, a lot of comedic writers could take, especially movie script writers, could take a lot of pointers from this movie about how to um, sprinkle color and treat characters like characters, like they're real people. It's so great. And Dennis Leary is amazing here, and Kevin Spacey's great here. I, I, have, to, I have to give it an A because I like it so much. Wow. You give it a solid A? Yeah, because I
1: wow,
2: yeah, I truly enjoy the movie, and this is going to be a movie. I I will admit that I rented it from Prime, so but I am going to go back and I'm going to buy it because it. I'm 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 going to watch it. This viewing and the discussion and everything of this movie has made this a movie that I'm going to definitely watch every Christmas, but I might pull out in the middle of the summer. It's not quite to the Christmas vacation level. But what about as the movie? far as <laughs> right? It's not quite to the Christmas vacation level as far as the integration of the amount of times that we'll watch it over the course of Christmas. But it's going to be a movie I'm going to go back and watch again. I, I can be kind of particular with my my comedy, and it made me laugh every time. Yeah, I, I have to give it an A and. If you haven't seen it you, and you just want a good time and really intelligent movie, like Ken said, for a concept that is so crazy, it shouldn't be this intelligent, but it is. That is an awesome thing. It's a perfect storm of everything. And I can't say, I can't give it enough credit. Cool. So we all like it. Rock on. It's Christmas. We should all like everything.
1: Well, now hold on. Last year we did Elf, and I hated <laughs> no, Elf. So yeah, we did Elf two years ago. Last oh my, year we you, did you it's a wonderful cotton-headed life. Oh, that's yeah. right. That's how much I hate Elf. It just blurs into my my mind, my spectrum.
2: <laughs> You're just Ugh. a cotton-headed ninny muggins. Oh, is that from Elf? Yes. yes it it is. Is. Okay.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that movie still blows. I, I hate it even more. You're not
2: Santa. Stop you it. You sit on a throne of lies. Stop it.
1: <laughs> and I love Will Ferrell. That's what really hurts. Is I love I Will Ferrell, but I hate that fucking movie
2: so oh, much. Call oh, oh. me Elf. One more That's time.
1: That's the one with the one scene I like. One scene. He's an angry elf. He's an angry oh, elf. No. That's right. <laughs> yes. What will we be doing in twenty twenty four? What are we kicking off with, Ken? We are, we are going getting rid to... of Ted.
2: Oh. We didn't tell really? him that yet. No. Oh, sorry.
1: sorry. No. Plot twist. We're replacing twist. him with another person named Ted. So, yes. oh, okay. No yes. Everyone's Ted interchangeable. Ted Lasso. This is... Ted this Lasso. Is, I,
2: am, I am Ted rebooted, so...
1: Ted, Ted, Ted 2, 2.0. Ted 2.0. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
2: yeah. But uh, we're
0: going to look at uh, 2023 and people we've lost in 2023 in, in the movie industry. And uh, we're going to pick some films from some of those stars that we've lost. So um, please join us for that. It should be... Um, Interesting to look back at some wonderful careers that uh, have uh, been did, part of our lives for you know for many yeah. many years.
1: And you can always participate on Facebook. Maybe some uh, actors or actresses, maybe that you would like to us uh, to to feature in twenty twenty four. We'd love to yes. take your comments and your suggestions. As always, you're part of the family with us. So let everybody know how
0: we do things here. So, like in December, we figure out you know, what movies we're going to do for January, February, March. And then by March, we try to figure out for the next quarter. So if you have something that you're interested in us doing, let us know so we can have an idea of what we'd like to get out there for you. But uh, we look forward to another year of doing this. We had some challenges for us in 2023, (laughs) to say the least. Let's put it mildly yeah we almost had to replace Ted, so, yeah. so yeah.
2: we were real close, yeah
0: what we said to ted while while he was in the hospital that his services were no longer needed wasn't really necessary so but yeah. so But uh... we just kept on whispering in his ear, you know, that uh, (laughs) the Texas Chainsaw Massacre really sucked. We just kept on saying that over and over again. We're very thankful also, even though we had some challenges in 2023. We're very thankful for 2023 and, and the fact that Ted is, you know, with us. And we can appreciate life even more for the struggles that we've been through in 2023. So on that note, I just wanted to say, everybody, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. And uh we'll have more episodes for you next year.
1: Yeah, Ted, Ted was Ted was involved in a tragic combine accident, so luckily he has recovered <laughs> from that.
2: Yeah, so. I I escaped. I escaped. Yes.
0: Um Ted watched twelve hours of the Lord of the Rings and uh
2: Twelve, try sixteen.
0: <laughs> he was dehydrated and, and yeah. went into a coma.
1: So Right, yeah. right.
2: Of course everybody who listens is a, is a blessing, but it's it's also a blessing to be able to do something that I I thoroughly enjoy with two of my best friends. It has put everything into a lot of perspective. And so um, I'm glad that I got rebooted and I'm good to go now. No, and I wish everybody a Merry Christmas. And He's just AI, we'll AI right
1: see... now. He's a floating head. So... <laughs>
2: yeah, we'll definitely He's see you all in 2024. <laughs> yeah, we had him downloaded. Yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm AI generated. Best of, um, and, yeah. And we'll definitely see you all in 2024 because, you know, this is a labor of love and uh, we we'll would just like to share. Well, on that note there, Ted, tell us where they can find us on the old World Wide Web. Well, if you want to jump into the cesspool that is X or Twitter or whatever Elon's deciding to call it now, we can be found as hooked on underscore movies. And uh, join us there for a discussion. And, of course, whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on, whether it be Apple, Spotify, Good Pods, we're found all over. If you can, leave us a five-star review because it helps us get noticed. And, you know, hopefully one day if we get enough reviews, we can uh, apply to be Rotten Tomatoes certified. And you might see us on them. big time website stop shaking your head this is a goal this is this is a goal. goal these are big time
1: website it's
2: right, Ron, right some of
0: those rotten tomato reviewers are kind of like i don't know what the hell they're doing but out there we so. could add
2: credibility AI
0: generated we can but add we... credibility i don't know if that's exactly. even possible Ooh, well we can't credibility can.
2: i know it doesn't seem not, like it all the
0: time but vocabulary. we can vocabulary
1: facebook what's going on <laughs> on facebook ken
0: uh, you can always join the discussion on Facebook. We have trailers we have articles you know we have back and forth bad discussion about you know movies that we like. We want you to be part of that, and we want you to you know tell us what you think of these movies and these and this podcast that we do. Let us know we're we're thick skinned most of the times, you know especially during these holiday seasons when we eat a little bit more. We'll promise we'll have a discussion
1: back All right. and on that note. We're calling it quits for 2023. We're going to roll into 2024. And I want want to personally thank everyone for listening this year. We really appreciate it. We appreciate all the feedback, the listeners, the comments. Justin, the fourth sidekick, we appreciated his uh, work on some of the uh, reviews this year. You might have justin yeah. back a few times in 2024 you know a few surprises here and there so we are looking forward to that folks and as always thank you for listening and have a pleasant tomorrow and we will see you
2: next year see you at the movies merry christmas see you in 2024
1: see
0: you next time on hooked on movies ho 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 <laughs>